right, hey guys, it's uh, Emil here. I uh, need your help. As you know, uh, my wife has been diagnosed with ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, which is a horrifying, terrible disease that's eventually going to uh, lock her into her body. Um, we need your help. If you can donate, please do so by visiting the link that I'm putting up on the screen here. Um, if you are strapped for cash, we can still use your support because there's a lot of stuff that's happening behind the scenes. Um, we're really working with um, a, a group of folks and, and uh, uh, to try to make some, some sort of a, a ruckus, if you will, about the situation that has to do with getting the right um, treatment to the patient. There's a treatment that's currently um, in the phase three trials process, which is basically almost the end of the show here. That's basically uh, the thing that's going to extend the lives of people with ALS. It's, it's um, you know, until some sort of a cure comes along. It's stem cell therapy. It's very controversial. In my opinion, it's highly political. I have a lot to say about it, including who I, who I really hold responsible um, for this treatment, this neuron um, stem cell treatment um, not being currently administered to uh, patients that have ALS or people that have ALS or PALS. So, um, because it ain't, the issue ain't the FDA and the issue ain't the ALS Association. It's, it's a, uh, much bigger than that. Those are just people. Those are just a couple of groups of people. Yes, I know, they can do a lot of harm and they can do a lot of things, but that's that's not what the problem was. The problem was a much bigger deal. Anyway, um, maybe I'll talk about it in future vlog sessions. It's a little, you know, prickly for me to discuss because, you know, I work in the public sector and, you know, anyway. But you tell me, would you like to find out what I really think about who's really at fault about this, um, this big stalemate that we're in? And if you don't know about it, you can take a look at some of my um, other... Um, submissions. I talk about it quite a bit in the first couple of episodes. Okay, anyway, a quick update on where Olga is. Olga um, it has gotten a lot better. <sighs> she's able to breathe now, you know, she's um, um, meaning, meaning that she's able, she, the, the uh, attacks aren't as gripping as they were last month. Um, they are still gripping, but just not as gripping, you know. Whereas before, you know, she, she would sometimes get frozen and literally would lose her balance and topple over. Um, now at least she knows to lie down and, you know, so it's still very, very terrifying. You know, you're dealing with, you know, your end, you know, and, and nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about what the end is because death is a taboo topic in our culture and in actually in most cultures. Um, and so I'm really curious about um, how we can crack that because it ain't all right. This is the amount of anxiety that my wife is going through right now is tremendous. A person who's suffering with this kind of a, a debilitating disease that's just eating your, your physical body out should not have to deal with that kind of psychological stress as well. And there's nothing you can do about it. You know, unless we can change the way we think about death, you know, unless we can talk about it, you know, um, in our families, you know, often, have, you know, and, you know, I have some thoughts about that, but in fact, I even recorded them. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, 
uh, yeah, so so we got to talk more about death, you know. And as I recorded this thing, I, you know, I went back and I watched it, and you know, I, I got to be honest, I, I don't, I got nothing to offer, man. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, I'm just like whoa, waxing philosophical, but what is there, you know, asking questions, just like everybody else is asking questions. I think we need to knock it off with the asking questions, and we need to take positions about what death is and how death works. So I decided to scrap all uh, that um, episode of the Dottore Chronicles. And, and you know, um, instead of talking about death, I came to realize that I don't know enough about it for me to offer anything worth of value because I haven't thought about it myself. I, you know, what? You know, maybe when I was like in my 20s, you know, smoking cigarettes and cafes, you know, in Pasadena, you know. <laughs> Not, you know, in the Sorbonne, but, the, you know, the E-Bar, you know, just south of Colorado. <laughs> um, you know, but ever since, who, who talks about this stuff, dude? You become a yuppie, then suddenly you have a mortgage, and next thing you know, you got a third mortgage, and it's like, it's, you get married, and the kids, and the blah, and the boom, and the next thing you know, you're 50. <laughs> And your wife gets diagnosed with ALS, right? And you haven't been thinking about, I haven't been, I am, let me own my experience. I haven't been thinking. I haven't been thinking about life because it's, it gauche, right? Because, come on, dude. Haven't you figured that college stuff out yet? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I haven't. So. What's wonderful is once you give up the um, ever um, tightening um, pursuit of career advancement, you remember that you're alive, man. And you know that's that's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm such a lucky dude. I'm working at this really amazing school. Um, my my administrative team, you know, the principal I work for, and my partner, assistant principal. Good guy, you know, great lady, you know, get along. We're all in the same exact age range, you know. Um, get, you guess which one is younger. Um, which one of us, I mean. You know, it's just a great gig and I have so much fun. I get to hang out with 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds and deal with the drama. I got to tell you, it's adorable. And I love these kids. I really do. I've come to finally say, thank goodness my path has been revealed. I really like this work. And even though it's a lot of work, it's easy work. It's easy because I love it. It's, you know, it's fun to do, you know, and I can breathe again. I don't have to, and, uh, you know, just uh, make sure that I, you know, anyway, it's not about me, huh? <laughs> Or isn't um, okay so Olga has been calming down quite a bit you know we're still um, going through a couple of you know ups and downs there's some some internal emotional drama that we're, we're experiencing for a number of reasons all of which we're working through like boom boom like oh, that's the beautiful thing about you know choosing the right person <laughs> um, yeah um, the thing about choosing the right person is that when you do come to these kinds of, you know, it doesn't quite match, you know, um, what you're thinking is not what I'm thinking. Um, you very quickly calibrate, you know, it's like 
right? Very quickly, you know, because, you know, logic kicks in, right? We both want the best for one another and we both are willing to sacrifice our own interests and our own desires and our blah, 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 you know, you name it, um, for one another. And that just makes it so easy to figure out what's the logically best thing to do. You know, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's a little clinical, you know, but not really, you know, I mean, we don't really think about it like that. I'm just thinking about it now because it's like two in the, what time is it? Oh, 2.33 in the morning. Hmm. Wow, wow, wow. So, you know, our, there's an anger that's brewing inside us because of this thing that, you know, we know that there is a company that has a treatment that is working and extending life for people. I even, you know, this, this, this one guy basically had almost lost all of his breathing and he got the neuron stem cell treatment and got three, um, slams, um, in the back and, um, he got almost all his breath back. I mean, okay, maybe, you know, results may vary, but dude, even half of that, I'll take it, right? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? And it's, it's stuck in this in this regulatory process um, that we really need to jolt and speed up. So anyway, there's that's why we need your support. So again, quick plug, please join our support team. If you can't donate, that's cool. We have a little support team. I'll put the link here. You can support us. Um, but donate if you can't too, please. Because, um, you know, if this new own thing, you know, doesn't pan out for my wife, um, you know, I'm going to have to spend, you know, we are going to have to spend a lot of money, a lot of money, you know, um, so believe me that, you know, the, the sacrifice is really going to be made on our shoulders without question. But, you know, anything you can help us with, of course, would be appreciative. And I hope you can understand how tough this is for me because I'm a grown man and I'm begging people, I'm begging the public for money. I'm basically, I've been, I've been reduced to being a, you know, high tech beggar. I'm begging on YouTube. It's nothing different. It's it's almost the exact same thing. Well, actually, I retract that. No, it's not. It's a lot easier. Anyway, um, so so for 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 Olga, she she's she's hanging in there. Um, the the symptoms are worsening. Um, um, she's starting to feel stiffness now in her left hand. Um, so you know. That's of course to be expected. The good news, however, is that I've been uh, stretching her shoulder. So um, her right, as you know, this is what's being affected mostly at this stage is her right arm and her right hand. Started with a stiffness in her hand, now her hand is clawing. And uh, not a lot of spasming though, and that's because we're doing a lot of CBD, very high dose CBD oil for her. And, and there's almost no spasming. There's some fasciculations, but it's, it's light. Um, and we're, um, what, eight months from first uh, symptoms, you know. So, um, you know. So, um, yeah, she's doing great, bro. She's doing great. Um, 
Uh, and so, so as I was saying, I'm sorry, man, I got tripped up. Fart. Emotions are a funny thing. That's another thing I want to talk about. I'm so excited about this vlog thing. Because nobody would, nobody really wants to listen to me, right? And at this point, I know nobody really is, because I think maybe my mom has seen me doing this, which is, yeah, you know, she's an important person. You know, I'd rather my mom see this than 10,000 people, right? Mom rules, bro. <laughs> okay, so, um, Elizabeth Warren has been um, on our topic. Uh, it's, that's, um, you know, a fascinating Democratic candidate, you know, would be somebody that I would consider voting for without question. Let's see um, how it goes. But if you didn't see it, um, she basically, you know, brought ALS to the fourth thought of um, the American conversation. She was talking about ALS. She, she told this incredible story on um, the second Democratic debates. So here's what went down. It was awesome. So um, the moderator asks her, hey, um, let's, uh, what do you think about, you know, Mr. Sanders, Bernie Sanders, his idea for having Medicaid for all, as if it's Bernie Sanders' idea, Medicaid for all, yeah. Yeah, he came up with it. Okay, so, um, um, so she starts talking about it. She's saying, yeah, you know, insurance companies are defrauding American um, uh, patients, American citizens. And then she says, I want to tell you a story about my friend Addie. And so she starts talking about how Addie is, was this wonderful guy in his 30s, 20, you know, kids and, you know, all American, this and that. And he has ALS and he is dying and he has multiple and strong forms of insurance and he's still paying nine G's out of pocket to be able to lot to live, right? And so at this point, the moderator kind of tries to, you know, kind of like tries to slap her down a little bit and say, oh, no, no, no. Please don't grandstand with your emotional story here, okay? And I get it, I get it. You know, maybe it wasn't a cynical approach, and I can see how somebody might think that maybe that's where the candidate is going. But he very respectfully said, "Hey, Jacko, hold up. Um, that's not what I'm, I didn't ask about ALS. I didn't ask about it, that. I just asked, do you think who's going to pay for Medicare?" Um, and then she came back with, "Okay, let me answer that question. Billionaires, large corporations, they're going to pay more." Okay, middle class families, they're gonna pay less. That's how it goes. Now, let me tell you back to my friend with ALS, right? ALS, ALS, that's big, that's big. When was the last time anybody talked about ALS? I mean, I know my millions of viewers are continuously, you know, hounding me about my ALS in, you know, opinions. Anyway. Um, So when she pivots back, oh, it was a thing of beauty because the audience <laughs> chuckles, right? Um, because, you know, she, she basically made it look like, you know, hey, 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 no, I don't really care about this. I'm going to turn this into a sitcom beat and pivot back to what I want to talk about. And when the audience cracks, Elizabeth Warren straight up looks at the audience like like a sorceress man just like this uh, I mean for me at least that's that's what I see when I see this woman I see majesty she's she's such a 
powerful, powerful force. Uh, I'm a weirdo, I think. <laughs> anyway, um, she goes, this is not funny. Hashtag. This is, then she goes on and says, no, bro, listen, listen. This is this is life stuff we're talking about here. These insurance companies are getting away with murder. Just don't, yeah, whatever, you know? You know, that's not cool, man, that's not cool. Anyway, so I was just like going hails to the year because they're all awesome, man. Honestly, every single one, of, even that like the chuckleheads, you know? Great word, huh? Chucklehead. <laughs> who, who, who was using that word? Oh, was, was it Osto? Mike Ostovich? Mike, were you... Uh... Anyway. As somebody used Chucklehead in my life at one point, I remember latching onto it and going, that's a genius word. I need to use it more often. And I don't. And he, I'm gonna now, because I got a vlog series. That's right. It's, I got a platform. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so I guess the other thing that's happened is that um, her uh, Olga's doctor has ordered some uh, genetic testing to be done because there was a slight suspicion that um, maybe somebody, her I believe it was her great uncle, um, who may have had some sort of a palsy or some sort of a stroke. She doesn't remember, but she does remember that you know, her uncle was carrying her arm like his arm like this, right? Like like Olga does. You know, she carries her arm like this often, not always. Um, there's a psychological thing that's happening where because you don't use your arm as much, um, the muscles and the ligaments start to you know like weaken, right? And so you lose muscle mass, and and as a result, you feel like your arm is just like dropping all the time, right? Which then affects your shoulder, which is why I've been stretching her shoulder lately. So anyway, the way she compensates for it is she lifts her arm up and she kind of keeps it this way. And and um, it also helps her with her balance because her actual gait has, she, she's actually lost balance. And it's not because she has, you know, multiple sclerosis, you know, multiple, that's usually a symptom of multiple sclerosis. Um, but that's not what's happening with her. It's because her arm, the muscles, the strength in the right arm is weakening from the left arm. It's literally doesn't weigh as much. Literally. Um, just doesn't weigh, I don't have to say it literally. It just doesn't weigh as much. Um, literally. <laughs> so, so, so she carries it this way, so she doesn't, anyway. So um, that's what her uncle used to do, or her great uncle used to do. So she was thinking maybe that's what's up. And Dr. Eva said, no problem. Oh, bam, orders like pfft, genetic testing. She, when she went in to draw blood for it, <laughs> the, the technician told her, I've never seen this before. <laughs> Incredible. And this is like UCSD, right? We're not talking, you know, this is a pretty, you know, you know, it's a La Jolla, it's an affluent part of the world. And anyway, uh, the technician was like, wait, 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 it's so much, it's so much energy. Um, she goes, there's tests in here that she didn't think were real. <laughs> wow, it's interesting. Um, so um, all of that stuff is in the process, but there's a whole thing that's happening now. So the insurance, you know, if, so the insurance company, of course, is saying, <clears throat> 
this is going to cost them a little less than $10,000, this genetic testing thing, um, which is ridiculous, right? I don't want to blame the insurance companies on that one. Come on, bro, really? $10,000 for genetic testing just to find out information? And it's, you know, it's a different kind. It's not, you know, you know, what do you call it? 23andMe level stuff. It's hardcore. It's parkour! Parkour! Um... So the insurance company just said, well, before we pay for that, why don't we send this young lady to something called genetic counseling? And I, I'm looking forward to figuring that thing out. But it's kind of like a, I'm assuming some sort of a primer, um, you know, to kind of say what it is, what it isn't, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. I, I don't know, before they can do it. But I think they're going to approve it. So, But the good news is that, well, this is why I'm jacked about that is because um, I'll be able to, we'll be able to see if she would qualify for the Biogen trial, which is basically this, you know, they're getting the same types of results as Neuron is. Okay, so, um, as I was saying, I have been thinking quite a bit about stuff, philosophy stuff, right? Does it to you, this kind of a thing happens. So, um, I thought it would be cool for me to do this thing on death, you know, and I just, just don't really, I'm not... I don't know enough about it, as I was saying. You know, I guess we could talk about Buddhism, you know, the, how the Buddhists think about this stuff, you know, I, and that's what I did, you know. I actually shot, like I said, did a couple of uh, um, takes of it, you know, and I talked about, you know, the concept of being deathless, you know, this Prince Siddhartha's thing. Um, I don't know much about Buddhism, but I do remember reading Siddhartha. Um, and really not understanding much about it. But uh, of course, in subsequent years, I've, I've since developed my understanding of it, you know. Then there's, you know, uh, Christian perspectives, the resurrection, you know, the, the you know, they view death very differently. Jews view death completely differently. Uh, not completely, but, you know, there are, there are um, you know, death is a more of a visceral thing for the Jewish culture than it is for the, you know, the Christian culture. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I just, but, but I just caught myself going, and that's not it, man. That's not my wife. That's not what she's dealing with. She's not thinking through going, gosh, what paradigm of, of death, you know, should I be, you know, you know, thinking about right now? Death is it's a psychological thing, you know, it's this thing that, um, you know, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Um, but it doesn't have to be, you know. So you may have noticed that I'm a lover of words uh, for so many reasons. So many reasons. Um, the most secret of all, I'll never tell. Um, <laughs> um, but... But there's, you know, you know, I like to start by learning, you know, the language, right? Now, death is, you know, you know death in English, right? But it's, it's, you know, mort in many other European languages, you know, and uh, the Arabic languages and the Farsi, for example, you know, Armenian, you know, some, none of those are Arabic. Arabic is Arabic, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm, What's an Arabic languages? No, it's Arabic. <laughs> Sorry, you know Arabic, Farsi. You know the Middle Eastern languages, or maybe the Slavic languages. They all use different language. You know different 
word and it matters. It matters um, because I think it's directly connected to how the actual culture thinks about death. So for example, in Old English, um, just trust me when I tell you, you trace the word back, it goes back to Proto-Indo-European um, language. The, 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 the Old English version of the word death, the, the etymological, if you look at the etymology of the word, it goes to, to think it's dap. Yeah, dip, dip, dip or dap, something like that. But the old, old English is built on, you know, this mysterious language that is referred to as a Proto-Indo-European language, which is like the mother of most languages. And um, if you trace it into that realm, you find that it's actually, the root of it is Dehu, which is really, the, the connotation that, I, that, that I've come to um, learn about it um, because nobody knows really what any of that stuff is, right? Nobody really knows what any of those words meant or any of those sounds meant. We're just, we saw a picture or somebody wrote something in context. And so anyway, but the idea, idea is that it, uh, the, the, the word in the Proto-Indo-European sense <laughs> refers to a process. See how I'm bringing it back now to where I'm going here, right? Pardon my ear. Um, it, it, it thinks that the idea isn't just about, the, the word Dehu isn't just about end. Yes, it is about death. It is about secession. But it's, it's, there's a connotation of action that has to do with the transition, tran, you know, um, you know, transcendence, I suppose, is one way to look at it, right? So, um, why, you know, that beautiful root of this word hasn't borne itself in our current society, because we're using the, you know, great-great-great-great-grandson of Dehu, you know, when we say death in English, I was going to say, I don't know, but I do know. <laughs> and I will talk about it when I get a little more courage and uh, feel like I can talk a little bit more freely. Right now, I don't really feel that way. Not for any reason other than just my own paranoia. So um, I'm, I'm trying to chill with some of my political and uh, philosophical thoughts. So um, I just don't have enough to offer about it. So I said, all right, I need to learn more about it. And how am I going to do that? Well, I don't want to learn about, you know, this and that and the other thing about death and how cultures look at it and stuff. You know, I want us to talk about death. I don't really care how cultures look at it. I want our culture to look at death because, you know what? I'm not a cultural, I'm not a fan of culture, <laughs> um, but I know it's there. I know it's happening and, you know, I'm going to try to wield it if I can. I'm doing so by inserting myself into the zeitgeist via YouTube. And I know I'm doing it completely ineffectively. That's because I just can't, I can't be this guy. I can't <laughs> YouTube it, man, you know, post my stuff in this Twitter feed and that Twitter feed. No, dude, I'm, it's, I'm, I need to, I want to try to, um, 
get my uh, my uh, <laughs> um, my anxiety out about this, right? Because there's a lot of anxiety I'm suffering, and it's um, pretty tough because you can't talk about it, right? Caregivers of ALS patients or people with ALS can't talk about it. The moment you talk about it, the most immediate response is, "Well, imagine what," right? So, which is you know totally understandable. <laughs> It is nothing compared to what my wife is going through or what other pals are going through. But, you know, um, this disease doesn't just destroy the patient or the person, excuse me. They're not patients, they're people. Um, it destroys the people's people. And in many cases, the people's people's people. So anyway, um, so I decided that in order for me to be able to speak uh, um, uh, with anything of value regarding death, because again, remember, one of my objectives here is to try to, you know, help my wife overcome the gripping anxiety and fear that, you know, has fallen onto her, you know. Um, so I got to figure this thing out, you know, and, you know, maybe it'll help me out too as a human being, because shoot, you know, makes me think a little about... Where am I at? So, um, um, so I decided that the way for me to do that is to figure out life, and then, then that 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 didn't go so well. <laughs> so you know, I talked to some people, I talked to some buddies, you know, I read stuff, you know, I go for walks, I go for little scoots around the neighborhood. There's a whole bunch of cool parks here in Oceanside. I love this city. It's a really cool city. We just, I mean, it's right on the side of the ocean, don't you know? And, um, but there's a lot of culture and uh, there's a lot of there's a big lefty environmental crew that lives out here and that's where we we we're on the vanguard we're at not the vanguard the the tip of where all the ag folks that are you know growing coffee and growing avocados and you know all about sustainability you know like good people man good people um, it's a real mishmash because then there's the military set which is where we live you know I live Basically, I'm surrounded by a bunch of Marine officers. Hmm. So, you know, I'm either going to be really well protected or the first to be shot, you know, um, and, you know, in the, when the race wars come. Um, so anyway, um, oh, pardon me. You know, I couldn't, I said, okay, so how would I, what does that mean? You know, know life, figure out life, you know, try to figure out what's going on, you know, what's going on. You know, why is this such a magical place that we live in? Why is this really, I mean, you know, my, my personal philosophy is that the concept of heaven is really just um, kind of like a deja vu experience um, because this is it, folks. <laughs> this is heaven and it's an amazing heaven, <laughs> right? I mean, if, if you don't know, just check into it. We live in a fascinating world and it's beautiful and it's full of love and rage and complete, you know, um, unjust torture for some um, and wonders for others, right? You know, children, families, you know, palaces and secret grottoes, and, you know, fields of rolling green lawns you know just imagine where we live dude we live in like this how can how is this not heaven you know the battlestar galactica concept totally makes sense man i think that's what's up <laughs>
I think that's in some strange way, you know, I think that's what's up. Yeah, did I mention it's late? <laughs> it's hard to sleep when you're, you know, constantly, you know, on edge. So, um, what is going on? What does it mean to be, you know, in a body, right? You know, if Olga is going to be, if the, the idea is that this disease, because it takes your muscle control over, it, it just basically stops your muscles from working. Um, your brain is fine, your mind is fine, you know, but the body literally stops working, so you get literally trapped inside there. So, so what is the you? What is the you that's getting trapped inside there? I mean, that's, that's something that, um, you know, I should probably be drinking a glass of wine right now, but <clears throat> instead I've got my little Zevia. Is this uh, going to be a bad thing? Well, I'm not monetizing anything, so I don't care. This stuff is awesome, by the way, folks. You know what, Zevia? Good job, Zevia. <laughs> and Nordofficial sweeteners. No sugar, zero calories, tastes exactly like grapes. Awesome, awesome, deliciousness. Um, no color either. So what is this you that's inside? What does it mean, right? So, you know, as, as you, you may know, I'm a, um, I'm a, you know, I've, I've read and listen to pretty much everything that uh, one uh, th this particular philosopher has uh, written um, there's a philosopher that I'm really interested in I was interested in him in college I wasn't I was interested in him again during graduate school um, and then again you know um, I actually even emailed, we were emailing, we were talking, you know, he lives in Hawaii, or lived in Hawaii, he's dead now, Terrence is his name, Mr. McKenna, Terrence McKenna, um, and I was petitioning to actually bring him from Hawaii to UCLA, believe it or not, and I went to the student ASB or whatever it was at the time, and they said, yeah, bring this dude over. And they gave me all the forms and all that stuff. I said, okay, sure. And I said, well, you know, he'll he'll come over if we I was just emailing him. And you know, what he what one of the things McKenna does, this is how he makes his living, is he basically just travels a lot around to like new age um, camps and talks about all sorts of stuff, you know. Um, and again, a lot of it is very, very new age, very um, some would say fringy, um, some would say um, wrong some would say fascinating um, I'm, I'm I'm I was entranced by his points of view from day one man and and um, you know I can tell you that I am also one of these people who thinks some of the stuff that he's doing although is based on some some a probably a solid hunch uh, but you know not quite so he did this thing called a time wave zero thing where um, you know, he was trying to find a pattern in how it is that time progresses. And he was suggesting that, you know, if you think of the concept of fractal geometry, you know, as one thing leads into itself, basically, he was thinking that we might be able to find an echo of what that pattern is, of how it is that life, 
you know, moves forward or the universe works, if we were able to find, you know, something like, for example, you know, in the, you know, the patterns of a leaf or, or, you know, the colors of a field or what he stuck it to, which was the uh, King Wen sequence of the I Ching. So anyway, see what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know? But the cool thing is that all these geniuses have been whack jobs, whack jobs. You know, for example, and again, I say this with respect to my Christian brethren, you know, um, you think everything Jesus said was gold, bro? You know, there was stuff that didn't make the cut, right? I mean, I think literally, right? It's called the Apocrypha, I think, I'm not sure, but something like that, right? And there was stuff that didn't get in, right? <laughs> Including apparently an actual gospel, literally, uh, not a gospel, I don't know, I don't know, something. I heard something about, I remember reading something about, anyway, who cares? Anyway, uh, the point is, yeah, man, I mean, even brilliant philosophers, you know, you know, people of real, real um, insight, people who have been touched, um, you know, people who have maybe some genetic code, maybe, maybe, that gets activated as a result of some event that occurs. You know, I, I, I'm into that, man, and I do think that the prophets, as the as history has laid them out to be, and and the you know great. You know, historical figures that would be considered things, maybe perhaps like wizards and sorcerers and you know, that kind of stuff. I buy, I buy all of that stuff. You know, with a grain of salt, of course, because you know you gotta, it's gotta be, it's gotta be based in reality. Maybe not reality, but some science, right? Some, some base, right? Um, but some of this stuff is a little whack, right? I mean, you know, they say crazy things, you know. Um, so. You know, I certainly don't um, condone, or, or condone is not the right word, sorry, uh, promote him or anything like that. You know, I mean, he's dead. He's gone, long gone now. Uh, but, um, so, this is not a, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not promoting the guy. It's a really, you know, he's, he's, um, there are other ways to learn the things that McKenna was trying to, oh. Fascinating. Um, <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, okay, so what is the U? So I went back to McKenna's stuff, you know, just to kind of see what, what was he thinking, man? What was he saying? And you know, I came across this wonderful thing, this lecture he gave in 99 uh, or 98, 98 or 99. Right, right, when I was in touch with the guy. I've been oh, yeah, I didn't finish the UCLA story. Let me finish the UCLA story first. Um, so, yeah, he agreed to it, and he said he, we were emailing, saying, you know, email was still somewhat a new thing, you know. It wasn't necessarily new to me, but people were still kind of going, what is this thing at the time? But Terrence was all over that stuff, like back from the early 90s. He was very um, techno-forward. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, when we started talking, and we started talking about basically the use of drugs in um, dance culture, right? A rave culture, this world, right? Anyway, that's what we were talking about. I was saying, look, you know, there's this thing that's happening. 
you know, people are finding their spirit and they're finding things, you know, there's a resurrection of the 50s and 60s, you know, with Jim Morrison and the whole let's do cool drugs and stuff. And MDMA had just started to come into the rave scene, the rave culture scene. And I wasn't into that scene. I wasn't into rave culture at all. Actually, I thought it was pretty... Ah, anyway, no opinions, bro. No judgments, dude. Um, so... Um, that's what he was going to say. I was going to say, look, because his, one of his things is this is wrong. You, that's, you don't get it. These aren't, these, these, what is happening in American youth culture when it comes to the use of drugs and dance and stuff is wrong. And not for the reason that most people think <laughs> I'm saying. Right? It isn't because of the whole idea of drugs are bad and, you know, you're going to get hooked into, you know, cult mentality. And, no, not because of any of that stuff. Not because of that. This for a whole bigger reason. Um, so anyway, um, so I was just reading this stuff and, and, and I was just, he was, he made, made an interesting point about we don't know what the hell is going on. Nobody really knows what's going on. Is it is it even possible to have a viewpoint that's not, well, cultish, canned? And and one of the things that that Terence tried to convince people is that it's not necessary to achieve closure with this stuff and in fact really any belief system that says hey it'll offer closure you know meaning it'll offer final answers is basically wrong it's it's self-limiting it's going to be inadequate <laughs> so so one of the ideas that terence uh put out was you know, it may seem strange, but maybe not. The idea that ideology is not our friend. <laughs> so I mentioned this. This was a Buckminster Fuller concept, right? It's, it's not a. It's not a matter of choosing um, from the variety of ideologies and rejecting the the flawed. You know the 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 oversimple, the self-contradictory in favor of the unflawed, right? As Terence would say, you know, you know, uh, you know, where is it said that, you know, people like us, which are basically, you know, advanced apes, should be capable of understanding reality, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, it seems it's probably one of the first delusions you know and one of the probably the more prideful delusion of our culture that a final understanding is possible at all you know so so the way McKenna was talking was that he was talking about framing questions which can then kind of get us closer to what it is that we're trying to do questions can do it, is what he was saying. You know, he's saying it's not about 
searching for answers. <laughs> right, right. Because um, you can think of, you know, and I guess this is the IT thing. <laughs> uh, you can think of answers are like, like operating systems, you know, like Linux or Windows or you know, iOS. Um, they're constantly being upgraded, right? You, you're not going to be able to keep up with all of it. So anyway, all of that stuff kind of got a little too esoteric for me. And, and, you know, again, I'm trying to really keep in mind, you know, trying to be as focused as I can about these, these submissions. It's just that, you know, when you're dealing with life and death stuff, a lot of stuff opens up, a lot of gates open up, and you, 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 you kind of feel like you owe it to yourself to go down that path and say, well, why am, how, how am I dealing with sorrow? Is that something I'm even capable of working with? Or, you know, um, and for some people, it's much heavier than sorrow, you know? So anyway, I decided that, you know, dealing with questions of life and death is, again, I, I need to think more on it. But what I can think about something I do want to think a little bit more about is the stuff that, again, going back to uh, McKenna, um, he writes a lot of stuff about, or, or um, there was a period of his time where he was talking quite a bit about something called Eros and the Eschaton.
Thank you.